0: Welcome to episode number 64 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Chapudi of DraftAnalyst.com, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we're here with a special edition of The Draft Analyst Podcast, focusing on Wednesday's happenings out in Florham Park, New Jersey. So, Tony, anything interesting in the football world today?
1: Well, I'm sure as people have already heard, the New York Jets fired general manager Mike McKagan, a story we first alluded to here during our podcast on day one of the NFL draft and something we spoke about and updated throughout draft weekend.
0: Now, just to take you back in time here to what Tony is talking about, during our podcast the morning of the first round on April 25th, Tony mentioned that a major rift had developed between Jets general manager Mike McCagnin and new head coach Adam Gase. It's something we spoke about during multiple podcasts. If you haven't heard any of them, I would recommend you go back and listen to our shows from April 25th and April 27th. It was a story that the Jets denied from the get-go. They even had Kim Jones read a prepared statement the morning of the first round, refuting these reports. Adam Gase angrily denied the rift as recently as last Friday as well. So the Jets were in serious damage control from the start.
1: You know, and let me say, I was never rooting for Mike McCagnon to get the axe just so I could say, Look at me, I was right. You know, I've been on that side of the aisle before. It's never a nice feeling, never mind to have one's livelihood taken away. But it's a story I could not ignore because as I stated during our podcast on April twenty seventh, this was something I had been hearing about since the start of free agency. Then on the morning of round one of the draft came the bombshell news that Ward in the league was Mike McCagnin would be fired soon after the draft. It was at that point I put it into overdrive and did a lot of digging.
0: Now, we're going to look at this from a number of angles, first of which is the timing of it all. Now, there were many people, specifically Jets beat writers, like Brian Costello of the New York Post, Minish Mehta of the New York Daily News, and Connor Hughes of The Athletic, who flat out said that there was no chance the Jets would fire McCagnin after our podcast outlined the rift between him and Gase. Our show preceded a tweet, From Mike Lombardi, Hughes' cohort at The Athletic, who said to expect major changes in the Jets' scouting department soon after the draft, he didn't go into any more specifics like we did on the show. And the reasoning here was simple, for the denials. The Jets gave McCagnan the reins to bring in a new coaching staff. They gave him the opportunity to spend a lot of money in free agency and to run the draft. So at face value, it makes sense that they wouldn't make a move like this. But, Tony, I know your take on this topic is completely different, and it's something you've mentioned before.
1: Exactly, Chris. You know, it makes sense for them to keep McCagnan. if you're on the outside looking in when you consider he hired the coach, spent all the money during free agency. But it's what happened starting with the coaching search and throughout free agency that led to his firing. What do I mean? Let's start with the coaching search. The name at the top of their list from the beginning was Matt Rule of Baylor, which was a bit of a head scratcher to many, including myself. Rule declined the job because he wanted to bring in his own assistance, and the Jets said no. They then turned to former Green Bay Packers head coach Mike McCarthy, who wanted a job. Now, at this point, it looked like the Jets may have gotten a favor from above when Rule declined the job because McCarthy wanted in. But McCarthy wanted to bring in his own assistance, and the Jets again declined. So the Jets, running out of options, hired Adam Gase, who at this point was desperate for a head coaching job after losing out on the opening in Cleveland. He took the job under the conditions that he would accept Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator. Now, Williams is a tremendous defensive coordinator. His players love him and will run through a brick wall for him. But where Greg Williams goes, so too goes his son, Blake Williams. And the feeling around the league towards Blake Williams is the complete opposite of that of his father by just about all. Blake Williams is not well regarded around the league, and I'm being
0: polite. Now, on top of all of that, Adam Gase then hired his father-in-law, Joe Vitt, who previously had serious issues with Greg Williams in New Orleans, all stemming from the bounty scandal back in 2012 that got both coaches suspended. Now, the Jets say everything between Williams and Vitt is fine, but they also told us everything was fine between McCagnin and Gase. And all of this comes before we even get into what happened in free agency.
1: And again, you know, free agency exposed a lot of issues for the Jets. As we stated during several podcasts, Overall, it was not a strong free agent class, except for the pass rushers, and the Jets desperately needed a pass rusher. First, you have the Anthony Barr incident, where the Jets agreed to contract terms with Barr, only to watch Barr rescind his decision and sign a contract to return to Minnesota barely 12 hours later. Now, you can't blame the Jets for the Barr situation, but it was horrible optics. And there was no contingency plan. Despite the fact there were still pass rushers available, including two who were signed by the Green Bay Packers, the Jets were left on the outside in. And if you go back and listen to our podcast immediately after the bar situation, I mentioned that several people in the league told me Mike McCagnan would not survive that.
0: Now, the two pass rushers you speak about who both ended up in Green Bay are former Ravens, Darius Smith and former Redskin, Preston Smith. Right, Tony?
1: Correct. And I know for a fact that the Jets had a lot of interest in Preston Smith. They were one of the first teams on him during free agent discussions at the Combine.
0: Now, we haven't even mentioned the situation here with former Broncos center Matt Paradise, who would have filled a major hole in the middle of the Jets' offensive line. Can you fill us in, Tony?
1: Yeah, the Jets courted Paradise throughout the entire free agent process. That was well documented. But when free agency started, they went cold on him. Paradise was in New York for the first day of free agency. Many said he flew to New York to do a segment for NFL.com. But I can tell you this, multiple sources, including those close to Paradise, told me Paradise was in New York because he expected to sign a contract with the New York Jets. He was basically ready to take a car service from the NFL.com studios to Florham Park to sign a contract, a contract which was never
0: offered to him. Now, obviously, you have the bar situation and the paradise situation where the Jets struck out on those two players, then the Jets taking the money that they had left over splurged and signed linebacker cj mosley to a massive contract and they also met the asking price for star running back Le'Veon bell which i'm told is really even furthering the issues
1: Yeah, uh, which as i stated in an earlier podcast with when it comes to Le'Veon bell it was a damned if you do damned if you don't situation for both the jets and bell from the jets perspective after getting burned by bar then leaving paradise out in the cold they had to sign bell they had to make a bigger splash and from bell's perspective He was running out of suitors and really would have looked foolish had he not signed a decent-sized contract after sitting out all of last season.
0: So, Tony, bottom line here, are you surprised by the timing of the firing of Mike McCagnin?
1: No, because while they allowed McCagnin to pick a coach and spend a lot of money in free agency, the Jets ended up looking really bad at certain points during each process.
0: So now... Would it have made any more sense to fire Mcagnan before the draft, even though, in theory, that makes little sense? Obviously, you need a general manager running the show and taking care of things through free agency, through the draft. It would have been strange to fire him then, but it was also strange to fire him now. Do you think that they should have done it before, or did the Jets do the right thing here? And I really use the word right loosely in what's really a no-win situation like this.
1: Yeah, you really can't fire the general manager immediately before the draft. You know, he's in charge of the scouting department. He hired the scouting department, and the draft is not just a two-month process. I mean, much of this information on the prospects has been gleaned since last September, September of 2018, if not earlier. You know, it's like junking a car. If you plan on junking a car, but you need to take a very important trip first, you take the trip, and then you junk the car. That's what happened here.
0: Now, let's go to the reports that were swirling around Wednesday, the first of which was that Adam Gase reportedly had issues with the players signed by the Jets. In free agency. Now, this disagreement was the basis for your initial report back at the end of April on the rift in the team's front office. What's your response to what's come out on Wednesday?
1: Yeah, you know, there have been several reports on this. I spoke to additional sources today who confirmed it was a huge point of contention and part of the reason why Mike McCagnon is gone because these two guys were just butting heads on free agent moves, moves that were made and moves that weren't made. Let's go back to Matt Paradise. This was one of the starting points in mid-March where I was told there were big issues between McCagnin and Gase. Now, granted, at this point, it was just speculation. Then there's Le'Veon Bell. Mike Florio, weeks ago, said Gase wanted Tevin Coleman and McCagnin wanted Bell, Le'Veon Bell, which was part of the rift. Remember, anyone who's been listening to this podcast— Since the combine, I reported that the Jets were going to pursue second tier running backs such as Tevin Coleman during free agency rather than spend big bucks on Le'Veon Bell. The other aspect I mentioned during one of our podcasts, and this is very important, was that Tevin Coleman was a much better fit for Adam Gase's outside zone system versus Le'Veon Bell, who's best as an inside power gap scheme. Gase wanted Coleman in large part because he fit the scheme. Now, was I wrong about the Jets going after second-tier running backs and not signing Le'Veon Bell? Obviously, in the end, yes. But the information that I had and I reported spells out why there were big issues brewing between McCagnan and Gase.
0: Now, he's a far lesser name than guys like Paradise, Coleman, Bell, or even Anthony Barr. But what does tight end Daniel Fells have to do with this whole situation?
1: You know, I can categorically tell you that Adam Gase was livid after the Jets did not sign Daniel Fells. Gase openly complained to people outside the organization that he did not have control and did not have enough say as to what was going on. Fells is not a superstar by any means, but he fits the type of character and player Gase wants in the locker room. And it's more than suspicious that, you know, after not signing Fells in free agency, The Jets went and selected Trayvon Wesco in the fourth round of this year's draft.
0: Now, the other report floating out there, and obviously there are several, was that there was an issue between McCagnan and Jets vice president of player personnel Brian Heimerdinger, which led to both being fired in this scenario. Do you believe this report to be the case?
1: No, and no one I've spoken with believes this to be the situation, and they feel it's just the Jets offering cover for Gase. Could there be disagreements or could have been, there have been disagreements between McCagnon and Hammerdinger? Of course. But it was not to the level of Mason McCagnon, which I heard was constant friction.
0: Now, we'll focus on the two main characters in this story, or at least as Tony has been reporting them. And that's obviously Mike McCagnon and Adam Gase. First off, Tony, why do you think this whole thing exploded the way it did? literally just weeks into Adam Gase's tenure as the Jets head coach.
1: Yeah, so early. It's unbelievable. I think it's just two completely different personalities. McCagnin is very reserved, very methodical, while Gase is a type A personality who wants total control and was just too overwhelming of a person.
0: Now draft picks and free agent signings aside, what are the major criticisms of Mike McCagnin within the league?
1: You know, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, there are a lot of people who feel McCagnon cannot make a decision. He's not authoritative enough. I think a lot of that has to do with his personality. Now, someone recently told me just a few weeks ago when we were talking about the situation that McCagnin is too old school for his own good. When I asked what he meant by that is McCagnin doesn't believe that centers should be paid $10 million a year. He doesn't believe tight ends should get big contracts. He believes the big money contracts are solely for skill players, quarterbacks, and players on defense. Now, that's ironic as we've talked about the situation as it applies to uh, center Matt Paradise as well as Daniel Fells this year. But think about what happened with Austin Safarian Jenkins a year ago. I mean, Safarian Jenkins wanted to return to the Jets but ended up signing elsewhere for a difference of barely a million dollars. At that time, it seemed insane when you consider the Jets' situation at the tight end position before the 2018 draft. But to McCagnan's credit, you know, it looks like he may have hit a home run selecting Chris Herndon in the fourth round of last year's draft. So you got to be fair about it.
0: Now, what about Gase in this whole situation?
1: You know, really from the get-go, when I started digging for information on this story, I was told Gase was the one who provoked much of this. He was not happy with with the say he had on the roster, specifically the offensive side of the ball. And it was Gase who was doing most of the complaining, both in the facility and to people on the outside.
0: Now, do you think Gase wanted McCagnan completely out of his way? Several
1: people believe this to be the case. What surprised me the most is I'm told soon after Gates was hired, he was complaining about McCagnan and giving the impression he wanted McCagnon gone. It was almost immediate.
0: Now, we talked about McCagnin and how people feel about him around the NFL, but what's the feeling about Gates inside the league?
1: The belief is he's a very talented football mind, but he's not for everyone and he's very high maintenance. In order to work with Gase or to work for Gase, you really have to know him and know how to work with him. This is likely why it did not work out with McCagnan.
0: Now, Rich Zimini of ESPN reported that the Jets front office pushed for Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator, and Gase was forced to sign off on it in order to take the job as the Jets head coach. Now, is the feeling that Gase may not have wanted Williams in the first place despite taking him on as part of accepting the role?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gase wants his own people. People he knows and people he is comfortable with. On one hand, I can applaud him for that. On the other hand, you know, this is what he did in Miami, and it didn't work out too well when he took control.
0: Now, do you think things have the potential to implode between Gase and Williams like they imploded between Gase and McCagney?
1: If the Jets don't have instant success this season, I think it could get very ugly very quickly. I asked a source close to the team if he thought it was a situation where Gase would accept Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator just to get the job and then complain about it later. And the answer was a resounding yes. Now, that said, if they start off 4-2 and or something thereabouts, it may not be an issue.
0: Now, soon after our report on day one of the draft and the tweet by Mike Lombardi, Jason LaCanfora reported that Joe Douglas of the Philadelphia Eagles could be in line for the Jets general manager job if and when Mike McCagnin did end up getting canned. Now, obviously, McCagnin is now gone, and Douglas is one of the hot up-and-coming names right now around the league. What are you hearing about Douglas?
1: You know, I'm hearing a lot of positive things on, on Douglas. I'm told he's well-liked in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. He's a good football mind. And the Eagles have fought to keep him in-house. Ha- in Assuming for a minute the Jets hire Douglas, the question will be, does he have complete control over the organization? Or will he just be a figurehead in someone who rubber stamps anything Adam Gase wants? If they hire him, I hope it's the former because you really don't want to waste a football talent.
0: And that's all for this special edition 64th episode of the draft analysts presented by the believe sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, or any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back soon to continue our draft recap series. But until then, check us out over at DraftAnalyst.com for all the latest on behalf of Tony Pauline. I'm Chris Tripodi.